My name is Jimmy Smith. If I haven't met you before, I would love to meet you sometime. Um, I've been around here quite a while. And uh, I don't know, some of you might be new to our church. Some of you are new to Colorado in general. And you might not know this, but we have a fifth season here called Wing. It's not quite winter, not quite spring. So hope you have a wonderful Wing Day today. The weather's weird. How many of you already put your garden in? Rookies. All right. That was crazy. 90 degrees, then snow. Where am I living? All right. So anyway, my name is Jimmy Smith, and I, I have the honor and privilege of helping out with our global outreach ministries around here. Been here since 2008. Anybody been here that long in our church? We had a couple hands last hour. Yeah. I'm the last holdout. Um, can't get rid of me. But I've been around here for a while. From 2008 to 2016, I was the executive pastor here at the church, so served in that role and also helping out with our mission stuff back then. So my family and I have been here since 2008. My wife, Amanda, helps with children's ministry, helps check in your kids, and um, my daughter's back in the tech booth, and uh, Callie serves around here too. So there's, we're just we're very involved. We love this place. You can't get rid of us, and I'm happy to be sharing today. But in 2016, I made a shift to go start following more of my missions passion, I'd been doing administration in the church to support my missions habit for many, many years and decided it was time to take a new step. And so I stepped into a more missions-centric role, mobilization role uh, in 2016-17. And so now I work with Converge. And if you don't know what Converge is, Converge is our denominational uh, movement that we're a part of. And it's about 1,500 churches in the U.S. And as a movement, we, we do a lot of things together like planting churches. Uh, Converge has a really strong heartbeat for planting churches across the U.S. And uh, we help in, uh, grow and mentor and shepherd pastors and other leaders in ministry to help them uh, be in networks together. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough gig. And so we want to support those pastors and leaders. And then we're also a sending organization for missionaries. And so that's where I work. I work under international ministries uh, with what's called the U.S. Engagement Team. And so my role is to help mobilize our churches to get engaged with what we're doing uh, in our missions engagements. And I'll talk a little bit more, more, more about that in a minute. Um, but I also help lead the, the work here at Arise. And quickly, I want to show you a couple things about what's going on. As a strategy, we, we definitely want to be a financial partner with our missionaries. And that's kind of square one. I mean, we check that box. That's kind of like basic engagement with missionaries is helping fund those that are going to serve. And so we do that uh, for several partners. And we also want to be strong prayer partners with, with those that we send. Uh, and then also we, um, we send short-term teams. And so we've been doing this since 2000. I got here in 2008, 2009. We started sending our first teams and then we started sending multiple teams. And uh, this year we'll be going back to Mexico. We'll be going to Estonia. I'd have to look at the right number, but this is either the 12th or 13th trip we've taken to work with Dan and Melinda Nelson in Mexico. So it's been a very strong partnership over the years and several trips over to Estonia. So we want to support our partners in that way. And then also we have what we call a focus project. So this is kind of what I help churches do around the country is to find a way to move from just sending a check and saying, here's a hundred bucks a month, God bless you, to say, what are you doing where you serve and how can we help you do that there? to really own the mission rather than just owning a missions program. Do you see the shift? And so to really try to find something that they can come alongside that missionary partner that's maybe like a three to five year project, not something that's 30 years or not something that can be done in a month, but something that's large enough to make a significant impact and that's gonna take the needs or the resources and the people in the church to make that happen, to engage more people. Our focus project the last several years has been one with Beth Ann Erickson with the Refuge Apartment Ministry. I'll talk about that in a second as well. 
But this idea of moving to owning the mission, and it's something our church has been heavily engaged in over the last several years with Beth Ann. So on the screen, you'll see our supported workers. Um, we have several. Um, we have Crick and Mindy Poyer that are in Estonia. And you see some dates up here. These dates, they're going to be with us this summer. Uh, and so we're excited about that. Crick and Mindy will be here on the 19th. Of course, Beth Ann Erickson in Estonia. Dan and Melinda Nelson, as I mentioned, they're in Guadalajara, Mexico. Kenton and Aaron Chan uh, in North Africa. And of course, my family. And so we're excited to be partners with all of these folks. And I'm very thankful to be one of those supported workers as well and be sent out of Arise. Uh, I've raised support just like every other missionary to do the role that I do to help in church mobilization. And um, I was asking Sawyer this week, like, what's the numbers right now? Like, how much money have we sent out this year? And what's it kind of projected? Already this year, outside of our doors, going specifically to global outreach, we've spent over $13,000, probably on our way to close to 30 or maybe more this year. So that's the kind of church we are. We want to significantly get behind our partners and help uh, deploy the gospel to these parts of the world. So thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of that through your giving here at Arise. And as I mentioned about our focus, uh, there's some pictures up here that, that Beth Ann has been working on the last few years. Um, in 2019, uh, she came up with this. She'd been praying about this for a long time, and it started to get traction in 2019 and came alongside us and asked if we'd be willing to help uh, kind of get this project going. And the vision was to buy an apartment in Tartu, the city that she serves in in Estonia, uh, to help host all of these ministries that she was currently hosting out of her home. Uh, she had cooking ministries and other things that she was working on. And Estonians just, if you're not a believer, they just don't go into churches. It's really weird. The church is weird. And so to them, it's just, it's, it's not a place that, that they will enter just because they're not a believer. And so if you were to host an event at the church and you want non-believers to come, they're just not going to show up. So we have to have areas where they'll come into your home or uh, another type of center. And so we needed this place that, that people could gather. And in Estonia, it's winter, like a lot. And, and so there's definitely a need for indoor space and things like that. So she needed to raise quite a bit of money to buy an apartment. And we had this wish list of things and places that we wanted it to be. And God kind of checked off all those boxes. And so uh, she was able to finish the purchase on that early last year. And then when we sent a team over last summer, we were kind of putting the final touches on it. When we got there, all the Ikea boxes were there. And we ripped all those open, had cardboard for days, you know how it is. And uh, built all the final furnishing pieces. And now it's been an active ministry center for the last year, and you can see some of the pictures of some of the engagement that's already been going on there. So it's been a very, very, very successful uh, project and something our church has had a significant uh, role to play in seeing that come to fruition. So you can be encouraged about that. Um, then we've got two short-term teams going out this summer. So first of all, we've got our Mexico team uh, that'll be leading down to Ciudad Guzman, uh, which is about two hours south of Guadalajara. And yes, that is an active volcano on the right. Uh, Ciudad Guzman is kind of at the base of this volcano uh, area. It is active. I don't think it's that active, but you can see some smoke every now and then. So here's our team that's heading out. You saw Hayden. She's also serving on a short-term team if she's not serving in enough other areas. So Hayden's coming with us on this trip and uh, my kiddos and uh, Bethany and Allison. So we got a great team heading down to Mexico. We'll be working with the VBS down there with Dan and Melinda Nelson at a church that's uh, in that area. And then next, we've got our team going to Estonia. Uh, Hunter, uh, next slide. Hunter will be going to Estonia as well as Nick and Kristen Markwick. Uh, Kristen was singing about right here. They're sitting over here. And then Nick was your golf cart driver today. So if you'd like to tip your driver today, you can help get them to Estonia. 
So we've got these teams that are headed out. If you go to the website, you'll find a link to give directly to these teams uh, that are headed out to Mexico and Estonia. And so tip your driver today. Help them get to Estonia as they're raising support to get over there. And uh, anyway, we're just excited to be sending out teams again this year. That's our sixth or seventh team that we'll be sending to Estonia from our church. And so we have great partnerships in these places. And while it might be too late this year, there's always next year. And so please talk to me. Uh, maybe you've gone before and would like to go back. Um, you should talk to me about that. Or maybe you haven't been yet at all. I would love to talk to you about jumping in on one of these teams in the future and serving in this capacity. It's a great way to bless our missionaries, a great way to grow in your faith and to see people come to know Jesus. Uh, so that's our short-term teams. And then um, last team you can join is our just general global outreach team. We meet periodically uh, to get together to figure out these ways that we're going to keep moving forward with our focus and supporting our missionaries and praying for them and caring for them. So if you'd like to be a part of that team as well, we have a role for you. So if missions is your thing or international stuff gets your attention, let me know. We'd love to get you in on the team. Or you can just simply go to the serve page on the website and you can Sign up there, and I will get with you about that. I met with someone this morning. Ms. Heather had emailed me earlier this week, and we met and talked this morning. She's ready to jump on the team. There is a place for you to serve, and we'd love to have you on that. Now, I do have a quick announcement. This is kind of a big deal, but it's a good deal. It's going to feel weird, but it's a good thing. Beth Ann is actually coming home from Estonia. She has served there for, can you believe it, seven years now. Uh, that Beth Ann has been serving as a missionary in Estonia, and she feels like her time is done. Um, I, when I was talking to her the last couple weeks, uh, you know, it's a hard thing. It really is. It's a hard thing for missionaries to do this, and so a lot of care and compassion going towards Beth Ann right now. This isn't at the point of any failure or anything like that. I kind of said, like, this is like Peyton Manning, like, retiring after he won the Super Bowl. You know, not like Tom Brady, who tried to come back. Like, she's leaving at the top of her game and being able to turn this ministry over to the, the Estonians that are there so that it'll keep moving, keep going forward. Um, of course, you know, it's going to be a big hole to replace Beth Ann, but she really feels like she's done what she needed to do and she's ready to get out of the way and let God take the next steps with it and let Estonians uh, take, take the leadership on that, which is really the plan anyway. And so she's going to be coming home uh, in June. She'll be moving to Florida, taking a teaching position there. Her parents and family live in Florida. And uh, we're hoping to see her in July. I don't know the exact dates on that yet, but we're hoping to see her here in July so we can celebrate this with her and give all kinds of love and hugs uh, to Beth Ann. And thankfulness, she has done an incredible job. She really has. Uh, and in just the short amount of time that she's had, she's learned language. She's uh, put so much investment into these projects and these people and has really seen a lot of fruit out of that. So we're very, very, very thankful for the investment. She has had generational impact in Estonia through the time that she's been there. So we want to celebrate that. And, and if you want to reach out to her on Facebook, uh, send her an email, please do that. Just give her a bunch of love and all that. I'm sure she would appreciate it during this season. And then lastly for me, just want to kind of give you a little update on myself. I, again, I'm one of the supported works out of uh, RISE, and so I feel like I should let you guys know what I'm up to as well. So what do you do, Jimmy? So I'm a, I'm a coach in, in, in the simplest sense of it, but I serve on the U.S. engagement team. Uh, when I started in this role, I was the only one. I came along and said, hey, Converge, what do you think about this idea of helping mobilize our churches and they're like, this is a great idea. And so they hired me. Then a couple weeks later, they hired me a boss, created a department. We absorbed one other guy. And all of a sudden, we were a team of three called the U.S. Engagement Team. And that was in 2017. And now the numbers are changing daily. I think we're 15 to 17 right now that are on our U.S. Engagement Team. And our specific role is to help connect our U.S. churches with what we're doing in international ministries. We need missionaries to go serve. We need churches to help get them there. 
We need churches to be this bridge to help get the gospel to these least reached places. And we really want our missionaries to be forward focused to the field. So our team kind of helps serve as this bridge and allows our teams on the field to stay more forward focused to the ministry. And we can help connect churches to these individuals. And we do this primarily through a coaching program we call 210 Focus. Our church has been through this and this is how we developed our partnership with Beth Ann in this focus uh, with the project. But really helping a church identify who they are, like what's unique about them, what are the, the resources that they have, what are they passionate about, talk about what strategic and missions to, to, to be active in reaching least reached peoples, and then looking at different projects around the world that they could tie up with to help accomplish the mission that these missionaries see that needs to be done. And it creates this really amazing relationship bond between churches and missionaries. It helps the ministry move forward faster because they have this wonderful partner that's helping activate to get these specific projects done. Right now I'm working with about 30 churches and it's not just me. We've got a great team that's helping this. We've trained up a bunch of volunteer coaches that will go in and, and do this coaching with uh, others around. I'll be going to Seattle next month to work with a church up there. Last or March, I was training new leaders uh, to help be coaches in Florida. Late December, we trained more coaches here at our church that had come to Denver to be trained. And so there's just a lot going on. And uh, we're very excited to see the fruit that's coming out of this as churches start to engage and, and partner and bless with these missionaries. Um, there's some really amazing things happening. And so thank you for allowing me to be a part of that. And if you want to be involved in that at all, like, hey, I'd love to be a coach and do something like that. Talk to me. I'll get you in on our next Coaches of Coaches training. And maybe we could work together with some of that. Um, it was some, some good stuff happening. I want to give you a real quick story um, out of Togo. Our, our ministry statement uh, for Converge is that we're asking God for a gospel movement among every least reached people group in our generation. We are really targeting these parts of the world that are less than 4% evangelical to see the gospel movement start in these places. And one of those is in Togo in Africa. And I got this report from uh, Josh Freeman a few weeks ago. And this is on Easter. I'm just going to read it to you because he says it best. This Easter in Togo, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus by baptizing one of our region's most powerful witch doctors. His name is Dango, and now he is our brother in Christ. A former voodoo practitioner began sharing the gospel with Dango. Like, do, do you hear this story? <laughs> a former voodoo practitioner started sharing the gospel with a witch doctor. And Dango and his family for many months. Dango's wife was the first to follow Jesus, and he surprisingly allowed her and their children to start attending church. Several months later, he also started to attend and then followed Jesus. This past Sunday on Easter, he publicly declared his decision through baptism. And together we celebrated by gathering his idols and setting them on fire. Dango's eldest son was moved by his father's faith and gave his life to Christ that very same day as well. Absolutely. Praise God. And you can kind of see the idols being burned up here in the center of the picture. One of those is Dango. I think one of those is his son. Um, but just, I get to hear this stuff all the time. And I wanted you to hear one of those stories today about some of the amazing things that are happening through our missionary partners that are serving. And we're helping churches connect with places like Togo so that they can be involved in these types of uh, celebrations and seeing people come to Christ. Um, in the back, on your way out, you can grab one of my prayer cards today if you want. There's a sign-up list back there if you want on my email list or my Facebook page to kind of keep up and pray with me for the things that I'm uh, partnering on in missions. I'd love that. You can see all that at the back table. Okay, there's the introduction. Page two. Are you ready? Let's talk about uh, some scripture today. Um, we're in the happiness series. I think we're finishing up the happiness series here. And today, the big idea is that the gospel brings happiness. The gospel brings happiness. 
One of the most fascinating things that I have gotten to experience in the 20 plus years that I've been working in missions mobilization and leading teams, I think I've led 30 plus teams around the world in the last 20 years, and it's kind of addictive, I kind of like it, um, is that everywhere you go and you meet other believers, there's just like this immediate connectedness. It's, it's fascinating. There's a love, there's a joy. Um, when people come around to worship Jesus, there's just a different attitude. You feel it here. Uh, you've probably felt it at other churches that you may have, have visited. And there's just this joy among people that know Jesus. And it, it, it breaks language barriers. It breaks culture barriers. It breaks location barriers. Everywhere I've ever been, and I've been to some crazy places. I've been in the crazy far out, have to ride on a little tractor to get to places in the middle of China um, where yeah, you've just experienced, I've been to Mexico, Romania, Estonia, all over the world, and I've experienced this in every place that I've been able to connect with believers, that there is just a joy and a happiness among people who have been able to follow Jesus. And for people that have come out of things like Dango with witchcraft and uh, being a witch doctor, there's a special joy for people that have come out of really desperate situations like that. Um, anyway, it's fascinating. And did you know, did you know that these loving attitudes and interactions among the body of Christ is actually a witness to the gospel? How we treat one another, how we love one another, how we engage with one another is actually a testament to the gospel. Philippians 2, 14 to 16, this won't be on the screen, but do everything without grumbling or arguing. We could just preach that today, right? It says... Every, everything. That's a tall order, right? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars among them as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You will look different as a Christian in this world, especially if we're embracing the attitudes of Jesus and the way that he wants us to love one another. I tell our teams, and you've probably guys have heard me coach this already if you've been on one of my teams, the way that we interact with each other on a team as we're going on a mission trip, that very act alone will be a witness to the people that we're serving. And that can go one of two ways. If they see a team that's at each other's throats and a lot of tension, why would I want any part of that? But if we're a team that's loving each other and caring for one another and sharing with one another, that's going to be impactful in helping people see who Jesus is. And Jesus even says this in John uh, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he says, I give you a new command, love one another as I have loved you. What was the old command? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, I got an even better command for you. Don't love people as you love yourself. Love people the way that I have loved you. Whew. Talk about a tall order. That's the new commandment. Love people the way that Jesus loves you. And how has Jesus loved us? And he gave his life. He gave everything. He laid it all down. This follows right when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and getting ready to go to the cross. I'm about to show you how I want you to love other people. Watch. Watch what I do. That's what he's saying to his disciples. Love people the way that I'm about to love you. And these apostles went out and they changed the world. 
because they did what Jesus asked them to do. So he says here, by this, by you loving people the way that I have loved you, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You don't have to say anything else. Just love people the way that I have loved you, and they're going to see that something is absolutely different about you. You are going to be counterculture. You are going to look so different than the world around you. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The gospel brings happiness to the individual, to the church, to the world. So let's look at our main text today, Psalm 96. Um, And sometimes we miss this. Like this is in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures here. We see that God's heart is for the world. Not just one nation or one people, but for all the peoples of the earth. So let's stand together. I want us to read this uh, together. We did this first service. I'm going to read the odd-numbered verses, and you guys are going to read the even-numbered verses, but they're not numbered on the screen. So if you mess up, it's okay. But you can kind of see the paragraph breakdowns here. So I'll read one. You read the next one with me. Does that make sense? We'll read through this passage together. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. God, thank you so much for this beautiful passage that shows the great joy and happiness that comes with knowing that you are our creator and that you reign in our lives and that you want the world to know. We have the absolute blessing of knowing who you are. And there are so many still that don't. Help us as we think about that today, as we contemplate this passage. And let me pray. Amen. Great. Have a seat. Good job. So you see the nations highlighted in this passage at least 10 times. And for those of us that are missions-minded folks, we really like this, this passage. It hits a lot of the themes that we like. But you see all of the earth. You see the nations, all peoples, families of nations, In the earth, he will judge the world. All of these things. You see this contemplation of the entire world and of the nations. And when we spread the gospel, we make the nations glad. And when we get involved in God's mission, we are actually happiest ourselves. I get a lot of joy from this. I get a lot of joy from speaking. I get a lot of joy from mobilizing churches. I get a lot of joy from serving on short-term teams. But when we spread the gospel, we make the nations glad. We make others around us glad. I want to look a little more closely at the the last couple verses of this psalm. We're going to jump to verse 10 down here. 
And it says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And the psalmist here is encouraging the nation of Israel to share their marvelous God with the nations around them. We have seen their marvelous works. He's talking to the nation of Israel who has seen God part the Red Seas, at least in generations prior. This is the story of their history, that God brought them out of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, brought them into the promised land. They saw him pause the Jordan River so that they could come across. They've seen all these wonderful, miraculous things that God has done. And they says, share this with the nations around them. It is saying, we know the creator of the universe. We've seen all these marvelous deeds and the whole earth is welcome to know our amazing God. And then the psalmist gives this little bit more difficult phrase to interpret. At least for me, it was. It says, the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean like we can't kick the earth off its axis? That we're not gonna change the seasons? Like, what is this talking about? The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. So I actually reached out to some friends and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And one of the people on my team actually has a master's in Old Testament. So I, you know, I did a little bit of research thinking about this passage a little bit. And as I researched, the best interpretation that I think this is in context, this is trying to say, is that it is firmly established that the world is the Lord's and was created by and for him. If you look at the passage around this, you see this theme that he reigns because this is his creation and he has authority over all of this. He has authority over the world. He's in charge, and this isn't about to change. That's what this is saying. The Lord reigns. He's in charge of his creation, and nothing is going to change that. It's not up for debate. So the Lord reigns in his creation. He's in charge. It's not going to change. But our God, our king, as opposed to the other kings and rulers around us, judges people with equity. He will judge the peoples with equity. He is fair and good in his judgments. So he is the Lord. He reigns. This is his world. He's in control. And he's going to judge, but he's going to do it with equity, with fairness, with righteousness. This would be absolutely different than how the Israelites would have seen the nations around them ruling. With despot, evil kings, child sacrificers, idol worshipers. They would have been proud to be reigned over by their God. It would be a wonderful thing of a God who has all these marvelous deeds and creation that loves us to reign over us as opposed to the despot kings around them. This would have been very different. I'm saying that is not our God. Our God is the creator and judges in righteousness and faithfulness. The God of Israel would have been very attractive to the nations around because he would have been so very different. The same way that Jesus is very attractive to those in bondage of idols and false religions today. In between my time here at Arise and with my new gig at Converge, I worked with an organization called Horizons International for about 18 months. And Horizons is an organization that primarily works toward reaching Muslims around the world and helping in parts of the Middle East and, and Muslims throughout the U.S. here. And I had not been a part of a ministry like this before, and I just really soaked it up. I learned a lot. I, I 
ate up all this information. I was a training coordinator, and so I got to be a part of all these amazing trainings, and I just felt like I got tons of information. And one of the things that was fascinating to me is that as you really start to understand Islam, so much um, of it is that the, the places where people live, like if you live there, you're Muslim. Like just by the fact that you're born, if you're born in Saudi Arabia, you are a Muslim by birth. Like that is the, the law of the land. And there is no other option. I mean, the other option is not good. So there's this bondage that's about it. But then you saw during the, you know, the last couple you know, decades here that you've seen this great movement uh, because of wars and all kinds of things like that, that people were moving out of these parts of the Middle East and into parts of the world that had freedom, that had churches, that had Christianity throughout Europe, throughout the United States. And you would see very quickly that people that had once been under the bondage of Islam were all of a sudden like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm very attracted to this Christianity idea. There is nothing for women in Islam. There's nothing. It is bondage. It is oppression. There's nothing for them in the afterlife in Islam. And so Christianity, the loving God that we have, is very, very attractive. We would have uh, Muslim refugees that would find themselves in the U.S. And all of a sudden they'd be like, this is amazing. I'm a Christian now. And what they were saying was, I like this culture. I like this Christian culture. They had not made a decision to follow Jesus yet. But they were saying, I like this a lot better than where I came from. Of course I'll be a Christian. The gospel is very attractive. Jesus is very attractive in that sense. And the world around Israel, their God would have been very, very different than the kings and rulers and gods that they were following at that time. So because we follow such an amazing Lord, let's look at verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all of the trees of the forest sing for joy. Our God gives us something to celebrate. And we can be happy under his authority. So verses 11 and 12 follow verse 10, which says he's going to judge. We don't like that word, do we? We don't like that word. We don't want to be judged. But his judgment is righteous. It's fair. It's full of faithfulness. And so it says, let the heavens rejoice under his reign. We can trust his authority. Let the earth be glad. All of this joy and happiness comes when we accept him being in charge of our lives. A lot of us have a lot of problems in our life because we keep kicking against his authority in our lives. That's where a lot of the problems come for us. When we don't want to submit to the God of the universe that loves us and has a plan for our lives. But under his judgment, under his authority, the earth and the heavens can rejoice. We should not fear his authority or his commands. The reign of the Lord is cause for happiness. His authority in our lives is a cause for happiness. If your impression of God is an angry, burdensome overlord, you just don't know our God. Jesus loved us so much. He gave his life for us. He says, that's how you're to love other people, the way that I have loved you. When we yield to his reign, we find happiness. And when we help the world recognize their loving creator, we bring them joy and happiness. The great Ralph Winter had said that missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Where people are not able to know and worship their creator, that's why we do missions. 
That's why we get outside of our walls. That's why we follow the great commission where Jesus says, take the gospel to the least reached places of the earth. Missions exist because worship doesn't. But when we yield, we find that happiness. The gospel brings happiness. Let's look at verse 13. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, and he comes to judge, comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in anger. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That's a good judge. That's a good judge. He has the authority. He has the reign. And he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Even as we recognize that there is judgment to come, the believer can be happy because his judgment is righteous and faithful and fair. And when we align ourselves with his authority and his reign, we have nothing to fear. And because judgment is to come, and because he loved the world so much, he provided a way for all peoples, nations, tribes, tongues, to restore the lost relationship between mankind and his creator. He was judge, but he was also the payment for the penalty. That's more than fair. That's more than equitable. I'm not gonna preach a Christmas sermon here, but let's look and be reminded of what Luke said about the Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Here we go again. Don't be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. Happy news. I bring you something to celebrate. I bring you good news that's cause for what? Great joy. I bring you happy news that's gonna bring you lots more happiness. For who? For just you shepherds. For just Israel. No. For all people. I bring you good news of great joy that this judgment to come is being provided for by a Savior that is being born today in the city of David. You'll find this sign, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. The Savior had come. His reign, his authority is there, his judgment is there, but he provided a way for our sin, for our salvation. That's more than equitable. That's more than fair that he would bring that to us. Friends, the good news, the amazing news is this. The God of creation not only reigns and has authority, he not only brings fair and faithful judgment to the world, he also loves us deeply and sent Jesus to be our savior and protect us and save us from the judgment that we deserve. That is something to be happy about. That is why the church around the world rejoices. That is why we must continue to share the good news. That is why this happy news stretches around the world and people receive it every day. And we have people that are laboring around the world. We have missionaries that we go. We have indigenous leaders that are serving to help people find and follow Jesus in these dark parts of the world. It's the happiness that comes along with that. The gospel brings happiness to the person sharing it and to the person receiving it. It's pretty amazing. And I'm so glad that our church is a part of that. I'm so glad that you uh, 
enjoy that aspect of our church, that you're behind that aspect, that we've got people that are willing to step out and go on short-term teams. I'm so thankful for Matt's leadership and all of that. And when Matt came on as lead pastor, I was kind of like, uh-oh, is this guy going to be a missions-minded guy or not? And he has just blown my socks off. I'm so thankful for how Matt uh, allows us to keep moving in this direction and his heart for all of that. So we've got a team that's behind it. We've got a church that's behind it. And we want to continue to help reach the nations through our little place here in Denver. And so today I have an action step for you, okay? I like when we have action steps coming out of messages. This one's very easy. We have a great partnership in Estonia. We love Estonia. We love the Estonian people. We're out of Bibles in Estonia. We have no more Bibles. So the ones that you can get these days are really uh, expensive and they're an older translation. And the ones that our partners have been giving out over the years, we have run out. And so we know the copywriter, we need to, to buy our own or to print our own. We'll get a much better rate if we get these out to a printer and print our own. So I work with a, a, a consortium of churches that are excited about Estonia and parts of the Baltic. And there's about 10 of us. And we've all said, all right, let's all kick in and we can get the money raised for these Bibles. And so there's 10 of our churches. We're trying to raise $30,000, so do the math. We want to get $3,000 to do our part to help get more Bibles to Estonia. I'm like, Crick, don't they have, you know, can't you get the Bible on your app and your phone? So, yeah, they've got that. But he's like, there is something special that when you're able to give a new believer that physical copy that's theirs, when you're able to share that with someone who's processing who Jesus is, there's a special thing about getting that physical copy of God's word in their hand. And so we want to do that. We're trying to buy 2,500, 3,000 Bibles with this uh, particular purchase. If you could help us with that. That would be a great way to help bring happiness to the nations. Actually, verse three of that passage in, in, um, in Psalms 96 says, declare his glory among the nations. There's one translation that actually says publish among the nations. Let's publish God's word again for the Estonian people so that they can have Bibles in their language and we can continue to help people find and follow Jesus there. It's one easy step we can take today. You can do that through your giving today. So if you do your regular giving, which we encourage you to do as well. Uh, you can do that today, and we'll pray for that here in just a moment. Um, you can go to the website, uh, slash give on the website, and there's a drop down for your tithes and offerings and for this Bible project. Anything that goes in the boxes today will also go to the Bible project as well. Let's see if we can do this, if we can get this $3,000, do our part to get Bibles over there. Already, I believe about $13,000 has come in for this project from these other churches, so now it's our turn to get our piece of the puzzle in there and help get more Bibles to Estonia. Are you happy? Does the gospel make you happy? Does giving Bibles to other people make you happy? Yeah, I'm with that. We're happy people because of the gospel. Let's pray today. God, thank you so much for the gospel of happiness, the good news. Just so thankful to be a part of a place that loves you, loves the gospel wants to help people find and follow Jesus here and around the world. And uh, Jesus, we're just thankful for this opportunity that we can give a little bit of our resource to help people have your word of hope in their hands. And uh, thank you for these teams that are going out this summer. Pretty bless them, help them with their funds and, and what they're going to experience and help them as they follow you in this and grow in their faith. Bless Beth Ann as she's making this transition. And so we're so thankful for the the faithfulness she's had these seven years and for the accomplishments that you've done through her. Pray you bless her in this next season and help us to celebrate her, her ministry there with joy. And uh, Jesus, just thank you for this group today. Might we leave encouraged in the happiness that the gospel brings us and others. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you guys.